Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today we have something really fun. I've got Dr. Jeremy Krell with us, and he brings a lot of diverse experience, and he's done some really cool things that we'll get into. But first, Jeremy, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and give us an introduction? Absolutely, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. Uh, my background is non-traditional uh, in, the, in the dental track. Um, I am a general dentist. I've been so for the better part of, of the last decade. Uh, I first practiced in a, uh, in, in a location helping a, a doctor modernize his practice and, and get it ready for acquisition. Um, I then went to another practice that had two locations already, wanted to open up a third uh, within pediatrics and a completely different sort okay. of payer mix. Uh, and so I opened up that third practice and and uh, and did well taught you know, sort of a self-taught pediatric dental residency, if you will, uh, and then uh, partnered with a, um, a an alum from the same dental school as as myself, Tufts, um, and uh, and and went into uh, into into her practice, um, which has since you know scaled um, over the better part of the last decade. So. Uh, have have been in the clinical world uh, for for some time and love treating patients. Um, however, I have sort of also an entrepreneurial itch, uh, if you will. I started um, in tech about eighteen years of of startup experience. I started in tech and then I went to uh, health tech and then to to oral tech. Um, and in in tech, I really wanted to understand what are our core platforms? What are the rails, right? how how do we how do we automate things? Uh, how do we how do we solve you know real pain points and problems using you know pure technology? Uh, and so I started with a web and graphic design company. Uh, I sold two of those. I went to um, a luxury good and commodity service targeting college students, which was really a a, a, a SaaS platform, right? Um, I then went to an incubator um, that I started in Boston, scaled to New York, Chicago, San Francisco, where I got to see lots of different sample, lots of different companies that came through. Uh, and help them with some of their core business challenges like recruitment uh, of people, uh, fundraising, uh, as well as um, providing some services that are otherwise uh, you know, expensive for them. So that was my, my tech yeah. background. Then I went into health tech. I really, in particular, wanted to understand the insurance yeah. landscape. Um, now, in dentistry, uh, in insurance um, works, you know, works a little bit differently than in medicine, uh, where, whereas medicine is more of a traditional kind of insurance product. And... Um, you know, in dentistry, there's, you know, sort of a cap on the amount uh, of reimbursement there. So I went to Oscar Health Insurance um, and, and understood, you know, sort of a company redesigning their version uh, of, of what health insurance they mm -hmm. thought should look like. Uh, learned a tremendous amount there. Uh, then I pivoted into oral tech. Uh, I went to Quip first uh, and I was uh, the, the, effectively the dentist behind Quip, um, scaled up kind of the professional uh, channel uh, bringing on nearly 75,000 dental professionals uh, to to the platform. Uh, obviously, it's sort of a combined product and services company or a bunch of oral hygiene products like the subscription electric toothbrush, uh, and toothpaste, and, and a whole line of you know floss and, and mouthwash, a whole line of other products. And in addition, services, the ability to kind of find, book, and pay for, mm -hmm. for a dentist. Um, and so, you know, Quip really gave me that, you know, initial experience in scaling something up in, in oral health. Uh, and in particular, it was really part of that direct-to-consumer bubble that, that occurred uh, and included the oral health um, uh, sphere. I then moved on to starting my own management consulting firm for oral health startups called the Barchester Bay Group. I have about 35, 40 companies under management, about a dozen and a half of my own investments. 
Uh, and so many of them kind of saying we were listening and so many of them saying funding is such a challenge in this space. And so started Revere Partners, um, uh, which is the the first independent VC fund in oral health. So that's that's my background, uh, really diverse from sort of the clinical, you know, pure clinical side to technology, uh, you know, to the the payer side, uh, and and then ultimately kind of sitting back within um, oral health startups that combine all of those elements: the clinical, the payer, and the technology. Yeah, I love that, and I love that, and then, and then it allows you to really be so knowledgeable in so many aspects. And so here's the thing though, when you're describing it, it just sounds like this, but we all know that the entrepreneurial journey is a lot more like this. That's right. And so my question is when you're attacking like a, a problem solving situation, whether you're trying to grow one practice or scale to multiple practices or look at the recruitment or automating with tech, what, how do you frame up problems? Like when you've got a challenge in front of you, what is your process for attacking it? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you're 100% correct in that uh, for every one of the mm -hmm. successes I've sort of had in my journey, there are multiple failures behind it. Uh, and I'm definitely a big believer of you learn as much, if not more from those 100%. failures as you do from the successes. Yeah. Um, we try with failures and I'll, I'll kind of equate it to, you know, a seasonal sport right now, right? Yeah. Skiing right? Uh, if you're not an excellent skier, you kind of go into it accepting that you're going to fall, <laughs> me. Yeah. right? Uh, it's the same thing kind of with baseball as well as another thing. You're going to, you know, you're going to run to the base. You accept the fact that sometimes you're going to slide into yeah. the base, right? The, the key is to slide or to fall well, right? Uh, in, in startups, what that means is failing, but failing, failing hard early, mm -hmm. right? Not getting, you know, not wasting years and years on a failure, but failing hard early. Uh, to, to your second question around, you know, problems, I think, Part number one is identify the problem, right? Uh, and and that's you know quite frankly that's half the battle to to be really you know sort of assertive and aware and to be honest with yourself and with your team as to what the real problems are, right? Uh, I think sometimes there are symptoms that cover up problems. Uh, there are, are results, uh, you know, of bad bad process um, or or other pain points that you know help to you know, convolute uh, and, and uh, you know, otherwise confuse what the real problem is. So the first bit is really kind of getting to what is the real problem or pain point, you know, in the practice, right? Then point number two is to figure out how exactly, what, what solution or what are the different types of solutions that I can employ and anything is on the table, right, to solve what that problem is. So anything meaning maybe we create something of our own in this practice that fits this, this custom problem. Uh, and maybe it's a type of problem where, you know what, look, there are other things that are built, other solutions that are built that might help to resolve that problem. I think the key piece here is, you know, to, to avoid repeating mistakes of the past, right? I don't just want to put in place the same solution or more of the same solution, you know, that I just tried that just didn't work for us. Uh, you know, I want to try something perhaps a little bit different. Uh, that might have a better chance of longer term success in, in the practice. So I think point two is, you know, sort of that research phase, fact gathering phase, you know, wh whatever it may entail, you know, demos, opening yourself up, right, to new possible solutions uh, is, is point number two. And then the last point, third point is really implementation and execution, right? And that's a really tough one. It's a challenge in the dental office because you have a staff that follows very specific protocols. Uh, and mm -hmm. workflows within the office, and so creating a you know a new workflow can sometimes be painful. Uh, even if that you know workflow is a direct solve to your pain point, the the overall implementation and execution can become a pain point into itself, 
Um, and so I think all of these things together, uh, this whole identification research, you know, phase, uh, you know, the, um, the, the phase of identifying real solutions, uh, and then the phase of actually implementing or executing one, this causes a lot of anxiety, right, for us as dental professionals. We, we like to have control, right, because in order for us to treat the patient and know that we're able to do our best job, we need to focus on the patient care. In order to be focused on the patient care, we need to know that everything else revolving in the office is doing so and doing so well. It's healthy, right? It's everybody knows what their job is. They're, they're able to, they're empowered to do it. Uh, they have the tools at their hands, you know, necessary to do it well. Um, and so when, you, you know, when as dentists, you know, we're constantly spinning, you know, 18 plates at the same time, if one of them starts to drop or two or three start, start to drop, right, or a whole person that's holding multiple of them, you know, is no longer there, uh, that is really anxiety provoking for us, right? Because it takes our focus off of the clinical care and puts it, you know, back onto uh, to areas that, um, you know, are, are not in that, that, you know, sort of core line of clinical duty that we're there to serve. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's really where, you know, my experiences come in on on the technology side. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there, I like what you talked about, about there being a level of awareness, because if you're not really clear on the problem, you can actually become part of the holdup or part of the bottleneck in, you know, laser focusing in on one aspect that's not really the thing that's going to change and create the result that you're wanting. But the other thing that I'm hearing you say, or at least dancing around is that, You've got to be aware if you don't have the right supports for yourself in place. Yes, you're supporting the business and your team, but who is supporting you? And if you don't have um, access to those people or those resources, uh, it's going to become pretty detrimental in that problem solving process. And so how do you think it would be best to go about? So say I've identified there's a problem in any of the areas we've talked about, um, but I'm not the solution for it. Then what's next? Yeah, yeah. So, so absolutely. I think um, some some really key areas that you hit on there, uh, and the dentist can really and and so on on that first one. You know, just to echo your point, the dentist can be you know from my drawing from my experience in in the startup world can be the holdup, right? And so I think it's it's important for us all as clinicians to be aware, right? Because we are the practice mm -hmm. owner, we are the final sort of decision maker, right? But on the other hand, we're busy. Right, we've set up these defenses at the front, you know, front of house. Whether it's mailers or it's it's emails or it's calls or it's reps coming in the office, right? We've sort of defended ourselves against, you know, sort of hearing, you know, new ideas because there's a lot of noise that comes with those new ideas, right? Even even the folks in our office sometimes catch wind of new ideas. They become sort of internal champions. <laughs> they spot a problem and they and they have some. They heard of some sort of solution, and sometimes we're even tuned out. To yeah. That. Right. So, so it's really, really important on point one there that, you know, the, the, the dentist, the practice owner, the final decision maker listens, right? We really need to listen to our staff. We need to listen to what's going on in the market uh, and, and really kind of get good at, you know, canceling out the noise and hearing what those real solutions are. To the second point, yeah. I mean, how do you feel personally supported? I, I personally think it's a mix, you know, at least from my, from my experience, it's a mix of, excellent people who are empowered to do their job, whom I, whom I know and trust in combination with excellent technology that I know those people know how to work and, and use, uh, but can also automate, you know, some processes that frankly, sometimes do it better than, than the human being, right? At the end of the day, we don't, we, we don't work like a computer. So for the things that a computer is really good at looking at, you know, decisions with multiple options, uh, you know, being able to mass reach out to multiple people at the same time, 
be able to make suggestions in a way that's consistent, um, you know, with, with mm-hmm. itself, uh, and, and consistent every, you know, with every different, uh, input, uh, is really important, you know, to sometimes consider, right. Um, so I think it's this, it's, it's hitting this healthy balance of automation or, or technology usage along with, uh, you know, empowering those people, right. And, and they can, they can coexist, right. There's not this world where one is kind of always stepping on the other's toe, right. There's not this, I don't see a world where, you know, the, the human is canceled out and, and the AI or the robot or the technology, you know, runs everything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the world we're headed towards, right. We're headed towards a world where the human can do their job better. Right. Right. And I think that it can be kind of counterintuitive when you come up against these challenges, because I think the thought is sometimes my loyalty is to the business first. And if I'm loyal to the business or the practice or the organization, then I'm putting everything else, including my stress load, second. Um, But when you take a look at it, if I'm leading this business and leading my team and I'm frustrated and unsatisfied like 90% of the time, then I'm not really putting the organization first because it's not my most effective me. And so what you were talking about, you know, being balancing, you know, setting aside time to listen to the team or listen to the market, say, hey, this thing actually will improve all the areas that are causing you stress is really important. Um, It's just kind of getting yourself to a point where you can organize your thoughts around that, whatever your situation is, to be willing to hear those options on the table and then come up with an effective solution. Then like you were saying, make a decision because it really is a scientific process, right? We have a problem, we try a solution and it's not the end all be all, but we do have to give it a shot to get anywhere other than right here, which we've already identified is problematic. That's right. And it's, you know, if you can't already tell, I'm a, <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of analogies, right? Uh, and you know, I think the analogy here, you know, there's, there's sort of two of them, right? One of them is, is the parent, right? Who's going to, p- part of that is you can't be the best parent to your kid if you're not taking care of yourself, right? Um, I know COVID's affected everybody hard and, and kind of in a similar way in the dental office as it has at home, right? Where we're missing that, sometimes we're missing that extra role, that childcare role or that extra front desk role that we're used to having there. And what that can result in sometimes if it doesn't, if you don't have the right solutions in place is you're stretched too thin, right? Which means you're not doing the best job you can clinically probably. And you're also not doing the best job, you know, on the business side. So you, you do have to have this careful balance, right? You know, cause th- there is a scenario of who's going to care when I'm not there, right? That's the other side of parenting. Mm-hmm. You leave your kid at school or at camp, right? When you go back to the back of your office to practice clinically on your patient and the front of house is in somebody else's hands. Right? Who who is going to care there? Can you trust them? And can you trust the systems? They're going to hold up, no matter what the scenario is, and and isn't going to impact your ability to to provide care. Because if you have you know some disgruntled you know patient in in the waiting room because some some system or process is falling apart, you know that that's going to impede you inevitably from from doing the best job you can clinically. So I think that's that's really important. And the other thing you have to remember, and you know, I think doctors always are, you know, most loyal to their patients at the end of the day. Um, I, I think it's also a balance between patient and the business, right? Against that clinical and the business side, um, you know, re- you have to remember, right? The, the the analogy from the airplane, right? Which I think is hard for a lot of parents to to, to swallow down. Which is right? If those airbags, God forbid, have to drop, they tell you put it on yourself before you put it on your kid, right? The, the concept there being you need to 
feed yourself before you can feed someone else. In other words, translated to the dental practice, if the business isn't taken care of, if some of these other needs that you can't always be on aren't being handled, mm-hmm. you can't you can't possibly be doing you know the thing that you are best trained to do, which is provide clin- clinical care, right? So they all kind of point to all all of those analogies really point to having that that balance, having those systems. Uh, you know, set up and, and in place. I agree with you. And I think sticking with your analogy on parenting, really, you know, this is the safest place or I'm pointing, you know, to my home office, the home is the safest place, right? For your kids mm-hmm. to learn how to be successful contributors when they're adults. And so uh, we've got to develop, which is also hard for parents. Um, we've got to develop a tolerance for letting them fail and even sometimes setting them up to have learning experiences. And so there has to be that similar um, aspect in running a business where everything you're right is not when you go to do clinical work, everything on the front desk may not run exactly as you've set it up to run, but there has to be some sort of, um, acceptance on the forefront that things are maybe not always going to go perfect, but that they're going to be learning opportunities for your team and that you're the perfect professional to teach them. That's right. Yeah. It's having, you know, start common startup or tech you know, term here is sandbox, right? Having a having a proper sandbox uh, happens to cross over nicely with the with the parenting analogy, right? Um, you, you know, there are a lot of practices I find where you know the dentist is that gatekeeper. They say a lot of no's, right? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing there sometimes, if you say too many no's, is you are not allowing experimentation to happen. Right, you're blocking mm-hmm. the potential solutions or even potential learning points from failures from even coming in. Right on the on the converse side, you know the complete opposite. Uh, if you allow everything in with no filter, with no gate, uh, you experiment on everything. You're going to be spread really. That's a beach. That's not a sandbox, right? You're going to uh, you're you're just going to be spread so thin. You're back in the same problem as you were initially, where you had some systems but not all systems, or some systems not working well, and so you were pulled from from clinical. Uh, it, it's really sort of the same. Um, you know, same scenario there. So you need to have a proper sandbox, right? There needs to be kind of a process where your office is open to new things, new ways of, and not just new things, right? Not not just new products, widgets, not just new services like technology, but the thinking, right? Your office needs mm-hmm. to be, you know, have a venue, a forum for people to share and think about new ideas and new ways of doing things and to have a process for, you know, sort of evaluate, you know, pinpointing that problem, evaluating possible solutions, trying one or two of them, and then making a decision, Uh, right? So it's the same, you know, there's a workflow you have in your office for scheduling patients. There's a workflow you have for following up with them. There's a workflow you have for billing them, right? This is a workflow for, you know, trying new things in the practice. Um, It it goes right hand in hand with the clinical side. We do this when, you know, the state state boards and, and associations, they require continuing education, right? Because they want us to learn the new advances in science and technology and to try new things, right? Uh, Well, you know, we have to continue to revisit, uh, you know, trying new things that are not just clinical in the office. Some of the new things are clinical, right? Uh, And some of them are are on the business side. Um, So we have to have a workflow and a process for for doing that. And I think the other one that we've kind of, you know, discussed or, um, you know, touched on here is there has to be a process for, you know, it's sort of a cultural point, which is a, a little bit out of my area of expertise, but related here, there has to be a culture for taking care of oneself, right? Uh, you know, for for making sure that each person in the office, you know, feels empowered in their role, but also feels empowered outside of their role, 
right? You don't have the office and the work constantly impeding, you know, the way they want to run their lives. You want to have, you know, a healthy balance where they come back to the office refreshed to do their their greatest work, uh, you know, where they go from the office and they feel like they really got the professional satisfaction they were looking for to be happy, you know, in their personal lives. There has to be that that cultural, you know, give and take, or, you know, you see a lot of trends like we see right now where, you know, COVID has sort of pushed a paradigm shift on how people mm-hmm. think about the workforce, right? So not to get, you know, into a completely different subject area, but, you know, there does need like continuing education. We have a, you know, set workflow for learning new advances in science and technology. There needs to be, you know, a workflow for trying new things in your practice. And there needs to be a workflow on the cultural side for, um, you know, for, for how people, it's essentially how you retain people right? And, and your company culture. Yeah. Well, I think it's all related because, I mean, you can have the best, you know, you can have the best systems, you can have the latest tech, but people want to be a part of something that is growing and moving and developing. And a big portion of that is how they feel. So am I a better person when I walk out of the office, like you said each day, or was I put into a box and everything I, you know, decided to think I had to question, should I even bring this up? Cause the answer is going to be no. And so really getting a communication filter, I think in place where new ideas are welcome to be shared. And as the leader, if you think, you know, if there's things that need to be considered or if that won't work, I think probably an approach you could think about is, you know, this person's got an idea and there's a reason they've got an idea. Something, something must need improvement or there must be a perception that something's not quite right. And so how do we take that ambition and take that creativity and channel it, you know, in a useful way? And so maybe giving them questions rather than just shooting down the, the proposal coming up with, you know, have you thought about this or what would your solution be for this? Or how would we execute this if we implement your idea? Get them thinking because yeah, maybe that initial, that initial idea isn't going to work, but it's, it's what's behind it. It's that, um, that drive. And it's that, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit that that person's bringing to their position that you don't want to squash. That's right. It's the, you know, the office that has a tendency to say no, 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 um, you know, the new things coming in you know, what they're really doing is, you know, you're, you're at the, on the cultural side, you're crushing motivation and you're crushing, crushing personal growth, right? Uh, whereas the office that listens and that has a reasonable, uh, you know, process for evaluating new ideas, you know, that's the office that is, you know, really, really helping people to be motivated and personally grow. You come out of that office feeling like, you know, you're, you're, you learned something, right? You grew, you're not just the office grew, but you grew, Right, and and that is something that it, that is attractive to people, uh, and and the business will benefit from it, right? Um, you know, so it's really it's really important, uh, you know, that the office be be open to to new solutions, and I think the offices, the the leaders in particular, the dentists as the, as the business owners themselves, they need to look at you know some of those solutions that especially the office members are bringing up, or just ideas even, and see those not as problems. Right? I think there's a tendency when we get very busy and we get very overwhelmed. Uh, and preoccupied, you know, we, we, we view somebody bringing up uh, a new idea um, as, a, as another problem, another task, something else we have to get to or do, mm-hmm. um, whereas it should really be looked at as an opportunity, right? This is, hey, this is a, an opportunity for that person to personally grow, and it's an opportunity for our office to personally grow. Now, I don't know where it's going to go, right? I don't know if it's going to, you know, if it's ultimately going to work out or not, but I think, you know, if this is something important to my staff member, and I really value my staff member, and, you know, and I really value my business and, you know, full well recognize that not everything is perfect here, then we should be open to that. 
at least the discussion. Absolutely. And then relative to this, you know, you, the business owner to the team, the business owner needs people that they can look to circling back to our original discussion um, when they have problems, which I love that you've redefined as opportunities, because I think in general, um, we have these automatic that's a problem, that's a challenge. And for some reason, we've attached some negative feeling to that where actually it should be a super exciting experience because it only is going to give you more information than you had before it presented itself, right? And so I really think there's never been a better time to be a dentist or be in the dental industry. And I know that there are a lot of people listening that are in different stages of their professional life. So what advice would you have um, if wanting to turn that ambition into desirable desirable results as an entrepreneur, what advice would you have and how would people get in contact to you if they wanted to? Yeah. So so first high level, look, we've all probably heard that silly acronym, right? A dentist is part doctor, part engineer, uh, part artist, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because not every crown sits on every tooth, right? And we have to come up with different solutions and we need them to function well and look good, right? And so it gives us these different components to to our clinical practice. What comes along with that uh, are, are lots of new ideas and solutions. So, so to dentists mm -hmm. out there uh, and others, not just dentists, but others in the, you know, in the, in the clinical setting or in the business of dentistry, whatever that may mean, uh, you know, I encourage people to, to explore those ideas. Don't just tuck them away, right? Uh, don't just tuck them away. Don't just, you know, work on them, you know, for your own, um, you know, practice, but think, you know, think big, right? Go ahead and, and, and try to, you know, put a little bit into it, um, you know, approach it like you first approached your own clinical career and see if there's something really there to that idea. Uh, I, I, I find a lot of dentists, I speak to them early in their career, middle stage, later stage in their career. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the most common things I hear about, you know, the more experienced dentists say is, man, I, I had a great idea. I really wish I tried that. Or I saw this new thing come out and hit the market. I thought about that like 15 years ago. Right. Um, yes. you don't don't yes. live with that regret. Uh, you know, we are mm -hmm. at, an, a, to your point, an exciting time in dentistry. Uh, you know, really, really try to, you know, think about it. Uh, connecting, you know, sort of innovation to the to the dental practice. One one way that I explain what Revere does, which is really a the first and only venture capital fund for oral health. But, you know, kind of translated to the practice world setting, um, you know, or, or clinical world is what we help, you know, our providers do is get more engaged with and capture the upside of all the stuff inside the four walls, right? We, we know that you own your practice and, you know, if you're growing and scaling a practice, maybe you're, you're working with the private equity side of the world, right? But we work with all the technology inside of the four walls, right? All of the, the, it could be anything, right? It could be your software. It could be your bio, all the biotech that you use, it could be the consumer products or the or the fintech kind of pay tech products and access to care or prevention, you know, that you use diagnostics, therapeutics, all the way to the things that, you know, you use in an oral kind of systemic health um, link setting, right? If you have more of a, a total wellness, total body type practice. So, you know, I'd say, you know, a couple of things. Number one, we can have upside in you know, the, the actual things that we use, we don't, if we're going to consume more of them, if we're going to give feedback to these companies, if we're in a field like dentistry, that's very kind of self-regulatory historically, then we should have, and we do have a vested interest in being part of, of the products, right? I'm sitting here on my, on my, my MacBook, I have my AirPods, I have my iPhone, right? If I'm, and not only that, but the Apple iPhone case to it, 
right? I have four or five <laughs> Apple products sitting right in front of me. If I'm going to use that many Apple products, I should probably go buy some Apple stock, right? If every item in my mm -hmm. house is going to be delivered from Amazon, uh, from my groceries to, uh, you know, to everything else I need, probably makes sense to grab some grab some Amazon, right? I'm not necessarily looking for a discount, right? That's that's one thing, right? But you know, it's a whole other thing to have a vested interest in something that I'm going to continue to use and think really has potential to grow. And so, I I would challenge uh, you know, our, our profession to think about having a role, a real role, a real stake in the, in the stuff that we use and to be open to it, because I think you'll find within that stuff solutions to some of your biggest problems, uh, in your office, um, whether they be more workflow oriented or personally to get in touch with me, uh, you can certainly, uh, reach out to Jeremy at reverepartnersvc.com. Uh, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's my main email. Um, and would be more than happy, uh, you know, to personally discuss, um, you know, te different technology solutions, opportunities to uh, to invest in oral health, uh, and and how to support kind of the innovation side of dentistry. Thank you, Jeremy. It's always so much fun talking to you, and you shared some really great things today. And um, to all of our listeners, keep doing great things, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.